So, I had a weird text this morning, right? My friend messaged me. She was like, hey, yeah, um, the country's going into lockdown, blah, 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 right? And I decided to use a turmeric spice as a face mask. Oh, no. Yeah. How does how does that even work? I don't know. It doesn't. I it don't doesn't. It does. <laughs> it burns. How I'm like, how does that even work? It's one of those like Instagram like beauty hack things that people try because it worked for one person, but it doesn't work for probably ninety nine point five percent of the population. Oh it's actually goodness. just a person scamming people for shits and giggles. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Oh my goodness. So nah, that's gross. I, but like, I, that's kind of on a side note of like weird beauty products. Like, as the only girl in the vod- podcast, I have tons of beauty products, but. I bought men's shaving cream the other day, and I used it today, and yeah. I smell so good right now. Like I can legit not smell, stop smelling myself. <laughs> like you guys, your your shaving cream and like your body wash and stuff smells so good, and it lasts. Like the smell lasts. Like I put on my like Dove or whatever my like fifty dollar body wash, and I can't smell it on myself when I get out of the shower. Have you have you met guys at the gym? They they need it yeah. to last. Yeah. Yeah. There's a reason. I, I have it a couple of very close guy friends, and I literally all I want to do some days is like just go up to them and just be like, I'm gonna hug you and not let go for like fifteen minutes just so I can smell you because you smell good. <laughs> Like you smell oh, Wait, what if the genders were reversed on this phrase? <laughs> <laughs> okay, these are my close guy friends yeah, I know, who have I know, like, I know. had to pull oh me out of dresses and changing rooms because I've gotten stuck in them. So that would be funny though. Like, can you oh, imagine? Oh, like, no, definitely not a harassment. Doing, you can see someone doing it. Like that's that person who's like, "Hey, where's my hug?" <laughs> where's <Hey>. my <laughs> I had my best male friend of all time hug me one time and he's like you always smell good and I'm like what do you mean and he's like "Like, are you wearing perfume I was like no not right now like, I haven't gone put on he's like well you just he's like you just smell like Pam oh my goodness. I'm like is that a good thing or a bad thing he's like no it's totally a good thing he's like but it's like you just ha- like you had the whole time I've known you you always smell exactly the same. And I, I didn't know how to take it. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't either. I, I feel like it was supposed uh, to be a compliment, but it came out so wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I know in my situation with uh, my friend Jade, we've only ever, we keep track of our hugs. So I think now we've only ever hugged maybe wait, four or five times. Wait, 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 go back. You keep track of your hugs? Yes, because I never, I almost never hug her. The first ever so, time I hugged her was when she was diagnosed with MS. So is this like a running list that you have? It's like, ha, the hug for the year done. <laughs> he has a Google yeah, spreadsheet. We much. allow 32 I, hugs this year. Yeah, I, I, Uchi, were you not at the graduation? Okay, so at our graduation dinner party, um, Uchi, you were there as well with Blake and everyone else. Yeah. Uh, basically, she gives me a hug. And says, I want to give you a hug because I don't know when I'm going to see you again because you're graduating. Like, after this, it's like the last time we're all going to hang out in, like, a school event or whatever. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, yeah, cool. And then I'm like, okay, sure, I'll hug you. She's like, yes, you hugged me. This is the fourth time. (laughs) And I'm like, is it? And then she's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. And then, you know, our other friend Jeremy is kind of like, yeah, like, now it's four. And then you guys have known each other how long? And then we're like maybe five years <laughs> and okay. it's like yeah so. and i have the reverse of that 
um, my friend Joby and I, I like will hug him, we'll say bye and we'll hug and then we'll like walk to the car together and then like hug again and get into our separate vehicles. Or like when I came back from Australia, it was our first shift working on together. Um, and he was like sitting at one of the tables that like walked up behind him and just like slowly hugged him. And he didn't realize it was me until it was like two minutes into the hug. And he was like, oh my God, you're back. And I was like, you know, you just didn't see me for like the last month and a half. And I've been 9,000 miles away. Now I get a proper hug after two minutes of being in the same room with you. What? Oh my goodness. So that's no. the complete opposite. I'm like, Very, one of those, yeah. me and Very him are so. the friends that hug all the time, no matter yeah. what. I was the nerdy kid in school who always wore long sleeves because I didn't like my skin touching other people's skin. So it was – I just – eh. You don't know where people's bodies have been, you know? Yeah, inside yeah, the no. house now. I, I think just Joby and I are weird. We'd go up to the floor <laughs> – I got up to each other Social on the work floor and just start hugging Pam. each other. What? Social, Social distancing. distancing. Pamela. <laughs> hey, hey. Wasn't it like after the first podcast we recorded in quarantine, all like the three of us hugged each other at the car? <laughs> Well, so, I only gave you a hug because I appre- like you drove a long way out. So I was like, well, she's worked for this. So And it's then I okay. went and gave Uchi a hug cuz I didn't want to feel like him feel left out. <laughs> Ouch. You're making me sound like that guy was like, "Where's my hug now?" <laughs> Where's my hug from? <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, okay. Jeez. Uh, so uh, this is actually a complete um opposite of how i wanted to start this because i was gonna (laughs) i was straight up gonna jump out the gate at this intro and just be like you know does anyone have a friend named leonard who has a wife that makes you know bags or masks out of bags but oh god no (laughs) because again best dialogue ever it's just who made these bags leonard's wife like however i was gonna say if anyone does need masks for you know covid19 my mom's making masks okay you went the other way i thought i thought you were saying the right place place. can Can we see when we're driving (laughs) i I think i made it worse (laughs) does anyone have an extra bag this is a goddamn raid you don't need to see see. i thought the bags were a good idea but like for this time, let's go without the bags, and then next time we'll get the bags. The, the way he said that, it was it sounded so diplomatic because he was like, "I think we all agree <laughs> that the bags were a good idea." However, <laughs> maybe we maybe we take them off for now, and then, use them, and then next time. We can get them cut in the right holes. I'm not. That's that's oh man, that whole so scene quintessential. Made me, <laughs> that whole scene made me think of the scene of Forrest Gump, where it's like my mom and named me Forrest after General. They used to invented some sort of thing. They used to ride around with wet sheets, of, like spooks or something, <laughs> scaring people. <laughs> I, I think the best part he ended that dialogue ended so well too. It did. He ends it with like, um, he goes, all that matters is that the horse can see. <laughs> That's all that matters that the horse can see. It's like, you know, but you guys have guns, you know, stray bullets. You might want to see where you're shooting. <laughs> the, the horse like, like, is so logical because like, yeah. It, 
it cuts back to the raid and like the horses are just walking around the field. And, like no one, no one knows where they're going. I can't control where the horses are going. The rule, I don't know if any of you guys ride horses, but the rule is the horse goes where you look. Yeah, I not know that. Oh my goodness. No, definitely the best scene. Definitely. It was mm-hmm. great. And, you know, watching that, when I first started it, I was, you know, I, I was kind of cutting myself loose from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because I saw that first. But then when I saw it, I got really unchained, so. No. Hey, Sam, do you have your white cake? <laughs> <laughs> you can't gloss over that. That was a good segue. That was no, a I great think all the, the, the size gloss over it. <laughs> I, I, give, I give it like a four out of ten. <laughs> I give it a two out of ten. I oh, give it one Michael Bay. One Michael Bay. One Michael Bay out of it. Let's start the show. <laughs> Welcome to Northern Critic. I'm your co-host, Sam Shinobi. Uchi Simwaka. Michael Navakshinov. And Pam Shark. And today we will be, I guess, we don't have to, well, yeah, fuck it. Um, <laughs> today we will be reviewing <laughs> the movie Django Unchained. Were you confused by not saying we're reviewing Django Unchained? No, I was going to um, tell our viewers what this podcast is actually about. but I, just, I think I by, like, if they've been with us since the beginning, they know. <laughs> I mean, okay, you, always have, you always have new people jumping in. You know, if this episode turns out to be really great, someone could be like, hey, you should listen to them. Listen to the, you know, the Django episode. We lost them after your intro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've gotten so many people. Well, I I wouldn't say so many, but a, a solid handful of people saying they like my puns. So I think I lied know. to you, <laughs> or they're biased. I bet this is all your girlfriend. Uh, I had I had a friend in the U.S. who listens to our podcast who told me that he appreciates it that after I make the pun and it's so bad. I reiterate it by saying it again, and that's what makes him laugh. Because when I say it again, in his head, he's like, "Why is Sam?" He's laughing at our pain. Yeah. (laughs) What's what's that song? He's a some masochist. He's a masochist. Saddest. 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 I was gonna say saddest. What? (laughs) (laughs) You do English good? Oh my goodness. Me no speak well. <laughs> I'm sorry, like if my English is not good, it's because I'm talking to the same three people over and over again. It's every because day. I was asleep for the last like three hours after watching this movie, and I'm still not fully conscious yet. Um, yeah, quarantine has done things to me. Hey, yeah, I'm think... on like T three number six of today. Oof, so wow. I fell in my bathtub the like two days ago and fucked up my shoulder really really That's bad so i have a filling fall out of my tooth so i have this random hole in my mouth right now and i am just praying that doesn't get infected hey, <laughs> do you need someone to fill the hole oh my god please don't <laughs> it was <laughs> right there there's was some right sort there. of weird fetish for that <laughs> you, don't. you know oh, there is. Ugh, but seriously though 
Like, I've had a toothache before, and that is honestly one of the most painful experiences I've had to go through when, like, it, it was inflamed and everything. And if I if that, if that I have to go through that and the dentists aren't open for, like, a month, I don't know what the hell I'm going to be able to do. Well, and that's, like, that's the Ugh. same as, like, you know, when you get a severe sinus infection. I've also had that. They are equivalent. And it, oh, God. <laughs> and your, like, your sinus swells so much that your teeth actually hurt. And there's nothing you can do yeah. for, no. like, medication does nothing to ease the pain. <laughs> like, and I'm not a wimp. I have a, I have huge tattoos. I've shattered bones. Uh, last time I had a sinus infection, I remember sitting on the couch in my parents' house just crying because the pain was so bad. And, like, facial pain is a different type of pain. It is, because it's, like, pressing outward, almost. It right? feels like your eyeballs are going to pop out of your head, too. Yeah, yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Soon Michael's going to be saying words like, despicable. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it sound like that. Just, just sound like Donald me. Duck. Yeah. It's not terrible. Oh, my God. Um, Northern Critic, the North, uh, the Northern Critic podcast is a film review. I don't know. I can't speak right now. Sam, is you're a, doing good English. <laughs> um, at least I don't hear my thoughts. Um, is no, it's film, I, at least you don't hear C sound. A C sound. <laughs> if you don't see sound, uh, then you're not living life. True. True. The Northern Critic podcast is a film review podcast, which looks a at film. <laughs> a <laughs> film that actually came <laughs> out. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, I'm still in that Western mindset, you know. Um, it's a film review podcast that looks at audience or host handpicked films based on plot, uh, cinematography, casting, and style. Um, all the review points in this okay, podcast stop. are. Stop. <laughs> I was going to say, that annoying. sounds more su- a bad Southern accent, like. Brad it was Pitt, supposed to. It was supposed to be bad. Less Western. <laughs> yeah. It was supposed to be bad. Um, all the review points are solely based off of our, off our opinions as your hosts and our guests on the show. Although we don't have any guests right now because everyone's in quarantine. Hey. Uh, we did talk about last week, but then we have um, a guest for next week. I managed to find someone. Oh, did you? Cool. Okay, so we do have a... This is the first time hearing of this. Okay. I told you last week, but you don't read my messages, so fuck you. I was going to say, Sam was busy <laughs> spoiling Once Upon a Time in Hollywood for me instead of yeah. reading your messages. Oh, goodness. I love frame. I love flamethrowers now. They're great. Best um, Stop. Movies. Still haven't seen Spoilers. it. Spoilers. <laughs> Let's go back to this movie. Yes. Um, as mentioned earlier, we are reviewing the uh, Django Unchained. Um, the D silent, so it's actually Django. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll start with initial thoughts. Um, who wants to go first? All right, I'll go first. So, right. first time I watched this movie, I was still in high school, right? It's my last year of high school. And mm-hmm. when I watched it, I really enjoyed it, right? But I was like, man, this movie's fucking long, right? Mm-hmm. This second time watching it, I'm like, I still really enjoy it. I think it's a great movie. Is it Tantino's best movie? debatable i don't think it is but it's a great movie and somehow it just didn't feel as long as it was uh, it felt fucking long for me um i'm not gonna lie I, I mean i enjoyed it but holy shit this is a long movie this is like two hours and 45 minutes yeah yeah almost long. three hours give or yeah. take mm-hmm. when did this movie come out what year 2012 this movie i should actually give the audience a lowdown of this movie yeah and then we'll do um, the rest of the initial thoughts yeah um, so Django Unchained, <laughs> I keep saying Django, because it's just fucking 
No, it's just fun to say the Django. The D um, is silent. The D silent. Is silent. Yeah, there's a running joke in the movie about that. Um, Django came out in 2012. Um, it was written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, and it stars Jamie Foxx, Christoph Waltz, Leonardo DiCaprio, Kerry Washington, and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, Franco Nero has a cameo appearance. Um, I don't know. He was in an Italian. He's he's an Italian actor. I don't think. In, if any of our fans know him, then I'm sure you're excited to know he's in that. But um, I don't think he's been in any Hollywood uh, centric movies as much. Um, and yeah, it has a Rotten Tomato score. I should look that up. Probably eighty something. I would imagine so. Say, so um, where, where's your where's your short notes before you go? Rotten Tomatoes is. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! That's something you gotta lead in with. It's eighty seven percent. It is eighty seven percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I just got that too. But however, it has an audience score of ninety one percent. So it's actually pretty cool. Um, on recent Tarantino interviews, um, he's gone on long uh, monologues about how. Um, the thought process behind writing and directing this film is based off of the fact that he wanted to make um, a hero that African-Americans could relate to um, in, as far as like his Western style of movies goes. So he wanted to create a character that, you know, a bunch of African-American kids or even young adults or whatever can look up to and be like, hey, that's our that's Listen, our, you know, superhero or whatever. He did a good goddamn job of making that character sympathetic. Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's not just the black people that are looking up to him. Yeah, um, it's pretty easy to get on his side, and that's yeah. some top writing right there. If I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, no, that's great. Um, the movie actually in the U.S. it made about 425 million dollars worldwide. Sorry, um, in the U.S. it made 100 million, um, and it got nominated for best picture at the 85th Academy Awards. Um, I don't think it won. No, it did not win. We would have known if it won. Yeah, no, it did not win. But Tarantino won an Academy Award and a Golden Globe Award for it. So I think he won Best... Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah, he hasn't hasn't got a Best Picture Award. Tarantino doesn't have a Best Picture. My bad. Picture Award, yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, pretty much. Um, Apparently, the casting did begin with um, Will Smith playing Django, so they initially wanted Will Smith to be Django. Um, however, uh, Jamie Foxx was just available at the time, so he took No, Will Smith turned it down. What? Will oh, Smith no, Will Smith, down. yeah, yeah. Will Smith always does this. He turned down being Neo in The Matrix as well, and The Matrix turned out to be a good movie. He always does this. Honestly, Honestly I don't think I could see yeah. Will Smith as Django. It would have detracted from the movie, in my opinion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's not his acting style. Yeah, I guess so, because Jamie Foxx, he was quiet most of the time. He didn't say much until, yeah. like, the very end. Yeah. yeah. So that just, whereas Will Smith is more of a talking kind of actor. He talks a lot. Um, I think my biggest thing with Will Smith is, like, he always wants to be the hero or the good, great, moral character. Like, what's Will Smith's darkest role? Bright. Oh. Bright. Yeah, let's say bright. What's the worst thing he did in bright? I don't know. He beat up a fairy or something. Made a fucking awful pop pop culture reference. That's true. I don't think Will Smith has ever actually been like a morally gray character. No. 
I yeah. mean, like, like a like villain. Suicide He's never squad? done that. But like, uh, but like, they had to keep reminding us they were bad guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to say. Way. Like, I I think it's hard to pin down what would have made Will Smith not good for the role, but it's just mm-hmm. like his sort of attitude to how he approaches acting, right? Right. Like, yeah, there's more. So. Uh, his characters tend to have a bit more bluster to them, which would mm-hmm. not have suited uh, Django at all. Not yeah, close. that's true. That's true. Also, Jamie Fox um has a has I from what I can gather as a fan. Uh, Jamie Foxx has better chemistry with uh, Quentin Tarantino than I would imagine Will Smith does. I think Jamie Foxx also also has the look. Like, he just looks a little more... Menacing? um, Hard and menacing as opposed to Will Smith. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's that too as well. Yeah. Will Smith is very distinctly, like, uh, what's it, like 21st century? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. He was Fresh (laughs) Prince, then, like, men in black suit kind of look. And then, like... Yeah. Well, he's done the... he's done serious movies like you know concussion and stuff. Yeah, like he's that. done serious movies like concussion and stuff like that. But he's also playing the hero in concussion. Yeah, he is. That's true. That's true. Yeah, and it and all that sort of let me call it cultural baggage would have tainted the role. I think it would have been very hard to take him seriously as Django. But yeah, so we might have been able to, but I feel like there would have been more of a hurdle to overcome. Mm-hmm. Whereas, mm-hmm. like a, maybe. I didn't know who Jamie Foxx was when I watched this movie, but oh, I yeah. did know who Will Smith was, right? And this right. is when it initially came out. Um, mm-hmm. So if I'd seen Will Smith, I probably it would have been a harder sell for me. You know, right. thing. I was looking. I wanted to see like was this before or after Will Smith did After Earth, right? So Django came after. out <laughs> before After Earth. Did after it? Earth. Yeah, After yeah. Earth was twenty thirteen. Oh wow! Because okay. like for me, After Earth is that movie. I I don't want to say it ruined Will Smith's career, but kind of. It started the tailspin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I should mean, we... yeah, I, I I agree with that. Sorry, go ahead. As I say, should we continue with initial thoughts? Yes. yes, I Pam. I guess you're going next. I don't know if Michael finished up. I don't know where I left off. If I'm being uh, honest, long um, movie. And... Yeah, it's it's a long ass movie, and uh, <laughs> I think that kind of depends on whether you want it to be long or not, right? Um, like today, I have a bit of a headache, and I'm a little bit more crotchety than normal so it was a negative um but when i watched this movie i loved it initially in like 2012 i loved the fact that it went on for two and a half hours two hours and 45 minutes whatever it was so that is both to its advantage and disadvantage right yeah Mm -hmm. um yeah my thoughts aren't really crystallized on this movie yet i liked it um that's all i really got at the moment i'll let you guys go (laughs) all right um i you know Honestly, I this is the first time I saw the movie. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Uh, like to me, because like, I grew up a lot on Western movies, um, and this was kind of like a slightly more violent, modern take on a Western movie, which I did enjoy. Um, like I said, the length though really got me. Um, and again, some of the pacing, but that's just I have the same issue that I with pacing that I have with. Inglorious Bastards, where it was like five minutes of action and then like half an hour of I'm just talking. very slow paced dialogue, walking here, walking there, not a whole lot happening. And there are five minutes of big action and then just repeat, which bothered me a little bit. I didn't really enjoy the character development in this movie as opposed to Inglorious Bastards. Um, 
like I definitely like I liked um I almost said Kevin Hart. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, I'm wow. sorry. Can you imagine Kevin wow. Hart in this movie? Just just give me a moment. Listen, listen. Just dangle, Listen. Listen. I'm looking for my wife. Like I'm 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 a bounty hunter. Listen, listen, listen. Listen. I think I think Kevin Hart I think Kevin Hart would have been a good Steven. <laughs> I think Kevin Hart would have killed it at Steven. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. He would have. He definitely would have. Uh, oh my goodness. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um Jamie Foxx as Django was really good. Um like I definitely found his character like relatable and he was doing the things he was doing for a reason. It wasn't like a soul revenge thing. Um and like I loved the doctor. Um yeah. and like I said we were talking about this before we started the podcast, but the doctor, the German doctor in this movie actually reminded me a lot of the German doctor from Captain America First Avengers. I know uh, I know it was like not the same actor, but just kind of the way they carry themselves. And did the movies come out very sim- I feel like they came out in like the same year or very I think it was similar time. time. Um but that's beside the point. So the, I I enjoyed this movie much more um than Inglorious Bastards, but just my biggest thing is the sheer length of it like honestly if i wasn't hopped up on t3s last night and couldn't sleep i it would have been a very hard sell for me to sit up through the two hours and 45 minutes and i, I like long movies i mean i fucking love lord of the rings See, but yeah, and that's and it does depend on hours. the mindset right yeah and well. also yeah. action scene after action scene after action scene yeah yeah. Here's like, if you think this movie is long, do not watch Hateful Eight. Hateful oh, Eight. Oh God. Oh yeah. So yeah. Long. long and dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love Quentin Tarantino, but man, the first half of that movie was so boring. Oy. Again, yeah. good take on a western, but I do think Django, um, like for an old South Western kind of style movie, Django did a much better job of it. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm coming from comparing it to like movies like Crossfire Trail and stuff like that with Tom Selleck and like Matt, uh, not Matlock, uh, McClintock with John Wayne. So I think for me, um, again, because I'm always looking at uh, movies, especially when Quentin Tarantino is involved uh, from the writing perspective, this movie was very smartly written. In the sense that a lot of the um, things they talked about, um, they talked about the whole German story of Siegfried and Boomhilde, you know, uh, and how see. that's also like a mirror of like, you know, Django trying to find Hildy, right? Or how... Um, to me, uh, if I could just jump from, in. Yeah, sorry, go ahead. That was a little too ham-fisted for my liking, if I'm being yeah. honest. Um, I feel like the... I don't know. I like my parallels to be a little more subtle. Um, if I'm, if they're like talking about how he walks through the fire and kills the dragon, it's like, oh, okay, come on, guys, we get what you're doing. This is symbolism. Um, there needs to be a little bit more subtlety, in my opinion, and that actually, I didn't notice it last time I watched it, but this time it actually kind of took me out of the movie a little bit. Um, mm. So yeah, that's my take on that sort of. Well, because I thought that's I the thought only it was, time I noticed it though, right? I thought it was interwoven well with the doctor's character and him being German. So he, because yeah. no one else in the world at the time in in the world of like Django sees is aware of Broomhilda's name even being German to start with, right? Oh, Broomhilda's such not a even, German name. 
Well, again, these are uneducated Southern people. Okay, they probably don't <laughs> care. So, but but they're from a mostly like all the plantation owners and stuff like that are from a mostly European descent. Exactly. Like yeah. they yeah. would well, know, maybe not. Well, like, because, like she she grew up in a she grew up in a German family, but then she yeah. got sold, right? Yeah. I don't think Monsieur Condé. He didn't even know who Dar. He didn't even know who D'Artagnan was. And that's also another one I was going through as well. That slave who got uh, eaten up by the dogs, whose yeah. name was D'Artagnan, who was like the main character for uh, the Three Musketeers. This idiot, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, Monsieur Condé, didn't even know. First of all, that D'Artagnan is um, the main character of the Three Musketeers saga or whatever story. Yeah, see. And he didn't even know Alexander Dumas was black. So he is someone who pretends to be educated, but really he's a dumbass like the rest of them. See, and right? the thing is though, but that's also, you know, second generation Southerners. I feel like his father or grandfather father probably was a little more educated as opposed to him who's playing basically a rich brat. I think I think that's the opposite. I think his father probably was less educated than he was. No, was probably I think the education would have gotten better as they as the generations progressed. I totally read Mr. Candy as a sort of third generation fail son who inherited all his wealth and is not Spoiled nearly as boy. good as he thinks really? he is, right? Because yeah. I, movie, I thought when you think back was, to Big if, Daddy wait, as well... Wait, if this deal. movie was set today, like in this time, he would be that spoiled mm-hmm. rich brat. Yeah. 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 But I'm saying for the time, like his level of education for that time set is actually pretty good because don't forget being able to read at this point in time was almost a luxury even mm-hmm. at this point that, right? is true. that is true so even, yeah sorry go ahead as i was gonna say even then like knowing a little bit about southern history from my grandmother's side of the family it was very um like I would say that they actually spent more time, surprisingly, it seemed educating the girls. Like the girls were the ones who had the tennis tutors, who had the Latin tutors, who had the piano tutors, who had the math tutors, who had the philosophy tutors. Whereas the boys were literally just kind of like, oh, you're the boy of the family? Don't worry, we'll have people take care of everything for you. You just have to, you know, make sure nothing fucks up. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's a lot of it is like, it's uh the mentality mentality of the time is that like the boy like the boys were educated but they were not educated to the same level, level the level they needed to to be good businessmen. Yeah. But I, I like uh, I, wait, I, I like I'm I'm Michael, even talking separate from wait, the wait, hmm? okay. Michael is that book that you're letting me uh, listen to audible.com great yeah site but literally in that book which is set in like a alternate world where you also have this thing where women are educated. More yeah. than men, where one of the lines of the book is for a man to read is unheard of. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if that's actually where he drew that from. That's a very good point. Mm-hmm. He Sanderson does like to pull sort of all sorts of sort of weird things from around the world and mm-hmm. twist them into his books, right? Mm-hmm. That very yeah. well could be. Which is theory. which is where I'm coming from. Where it's mm-hmm. like he, I, I think the way the movie portrayed it, it portrayed it as him. He was the, um, uh, Monsieur Condé, he was the most, I guess, verb, I won't say verbally gifted, but his diction was great. Like, he was the one character out of most other people in the Southern, like, that we met. Even, like, Big Daddy, who was, like, the first, like, you know, high level slaver that we met initially. 
he was even he wasn't as um he perfectly... had a presence not yes. really pre- no, like no, no, the, not, the way like, he not, spoke not Daddy, right but like, like monsieur candy had the had like a presence he, and a commanding of the room yeah exactly he was charismatic he but, he was intelligent to a certain extent as I'm well sorry. When he more than out, the rest when he put out the score and it was like see the descent of the african man is more submissive to the other races yeah is that really education well, though no well again here's the thing he he plays into that demographic because again watching that felt so real because I'm sure you guys have all met people like this too. Oh god, who yeah. Will take yeah. science and just twist it in on itself well, and just that tell is a you very real thing that existed in the past. Free exactly. When exactly. that came up, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm having first year psych flashbacks." Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so he's someone who believes he's smart, mm-hmm. and then kind of makes everything work. You know, and and like I said, which is probably why he has such a commanding presence to those around him or like his henchmen or whatever because they probably see him as oh my god he's so educated and he's smart Mm -hmm. and he knows these big words and big things whereas to someone like um you know uh the doctor he's no fraud yeah he's a fraud so like Mm -hmm. that's the different levels of hierarchy when it comes to like just general education or intelligence, right? Yeah, that's what Um, we're looking at it. Yeah, which is which is why I was like to to the other southerners. Monsieur Condé is apparently really smart, mm-hmm. but then to the doctor, everyone else in the South is just a dumbass. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so I'm sorry, but the fact that they had—I know the whole Big Daddy character is a very like a thing, and mm-hmm. I know like plays into the whole fetish thing that is a overtone in some of the not an overtone in some of the movies that appears in other places in these movies. But I'm not gonna lie. The whole time, whenever they said, "Oh yeah, Big Daddy," I would kept hearing from Disney's The Princess and the Frog, Lottie going, "Big Daddy, tell her," because there's a character in the Disney movie called Big Daddy, and I was like, I, "My brain, my brain actually can't do this right now." But that's also again very real because back oh, then yeah. you couldn't you couldn't call him by his actual name. You'd get, yeah, you'd get whipped for that, right? So it's like that's just probably what they grew up calling him, and it just stuck, mm-hmm. right? Oh yeah. Um, I did like the scene where, um, you know, uh, the doctor is kind of like, you know, pick out whatever you want to wear. And then he wears like the bright blue, white, like, um, white boots, you know, attire or whatever. And he actually does look like a superhero for the time being. And I thought that was just great. That was just hilarious. I enjoyed the hilarity of that scene. Mm-hmm. But it seems so out of place because this would have been what um, probably pre Civil War, so yeah, those two 18... years before the Civil War, so mid eighteen hundreds. That whole blue outfit, I thought it was very funny what they did with it. But that is a very like pre, very very early eighteen hundreds or like even seventeen seventy five era time frame. Um, so it like looked a little out of place, but I kind of, I appreciated that they made it look like he was as if like this, um, doctor's footman and the doctor just wanted to make him stand out from other, you know, footmen he may have had or other like servants or people he had working for underneath him, that this was an important colleague of him, of his. So I I appreciated in that, but I feel like they could have used a slightly different look Look, because it was a look. I like the way we're saying footman servants. Let's use the actual term. He was a slave. 
Yeah. He but was here's lots. the thing, though. Um, I think... you want to dress like that? I think also, because um, even the doctor looks at him and goes, you really want to wear that? And then he's like, what's wrong with this, you know? So, like, mm-hmm. I think, again, it was his choice to be like, hey... I'm gonna yeah. own up to this and dress the way I want to dress because you know technically technically I'm free, right? Yeah, no, technically he was still a slave at that moment. Well, he like, was, I... but like you know, as far as like the doctor is concerned, right? Like he's he's explained to everyone that he's a free man, so he's playing uh, the part. The good doctor, the yeah. great white savior. He had to save us all. <laughs> I was like, um, but yeah, that whole blue outfit—it was a look. It was a look. Yeah. It was a look. <laughs> it, was a look. <laughs> it was fucking funny, then, is what it was. But then, yeah, but then, like, that's the same as, like, Wait, even today. He, when he, you was, have people he, was just... dressed, he was dressed like a pimp from that era. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine him at the corner? <laughs> like, where's my girl? Is she out in the field picking some cotton? I thought it was great. Corner. I, I, I loved I'm... it because, again, if, if you were in his shoes, you would want to, you would just want to stand out because you. this Blue? is the first time. You're giving, you're giving the. This is the guys. This is the first ever time you're in your life. Wait. You're given the option to wear something that you pick, like you yeah. choose. Okay. Obviously, at that point in time, to him, he's gonna look at something that has bright colors because to him, that looks like something that's clean or like brand new or something. Can I, can I tell a quick side yeah. story? Yeah, go ahead. Uh when I lived on residence or May Street, right? I was in the. Common room, whatever the fuck that name of that room is, watching TV, right? Mm-hmm. So I was watching Arrow, and like this girl was wearing this like orange dress, right? So like I just sat there watching until uh my friend Karen comes in, looks at the dress, he's like, "That's an ugly dress." I'm like, "Fuck, I thought so too." Like, shit, that thing's ugly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like I'm not saying he dressed the best way, but I was happy for him in the sense that like that's why I had to, I. It was I just mean, kind of one of those moments where you're rooting for the character because it's like, oh, that's cute. He's actually he's wearing what he wants to wear, and like, there's so much symbolism behind that too. Oh, I yeah. find, and but, like, I yeah. wanna, I just wanna say something. So that look was fashionable in 1775. Let's mm-hmm. fast forward 200 years later to 1975 when the blue yeah. velvet suit came back in style. Um, one thing I also thought was funny is when the German doctor is like, "You really want to wear that." Um, because Sam and I were actually talking about this earlier this week about how Europeans think Americans can't dress and Americans think Europeans can't dress, that we have such different fashion styles. Um, so it just kind of made me think of that conversation. Um, Except the Europeans are right in this situation. (laughs) When the the doctor (laughs) said that, it's like, yeah, the doctor is probably looking at him going, wow, this guy can't dress. But I mean, he never had the option to dress before, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. No, I have I, I, reactions to dressing yourself for the first time. There's that, <laughs> and there's I want to keep a low profile. Yeah. <laughs> well, see, and that's the thing. It's like the little kid getting putting their shoes on by themselves for the first time. They're always on the wrong feet. Yeah. Well, like that. It's just the excitement, right? To actually mm-hmm. put on clothes you want to put on, and I thought that was great. Um, I also, again, Tarantino going the whole revenge fantasy route. Loved it as well, where he's just you know. Putting the whip to the to the slave master who uh, separated uh, him and Hildy in the first place, I thought that was cool as well. That dude was reading a Bible at the time as well. 
Oh yeah, yeah there's, because they use Christianity so to <laughs> justify slavery and all that stuff. Yeah, he uses religion to justify slavery. Yeah, which again was probably supposed to represent more conservative type can I, agendas. Can I mention something about that? Go ahead. Um, so I live in a town currently for work. Um, that is extremely religious, Ooh, like no. extremely religious. Um. And these are the people, like, you, like, think, oh, people who, you know, live by the Bible, who are religious, they're nice people. Yeah. Honestly, since I've moved to this town, these people are the most hypocritical ever. Like, they live by the Bible and preach the Bible and do all this, but they are not nice people. Mm. Like, you try to, like, say hello to someone on the street, they're going to glare at you, like, who the hell are, who do you, the hell do you think you are? Also... 90% of them don't believe in evolution, and that same 90% have the Darwin fish on the back of their car. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's actually pretty funny. You know, the so, guy, that, yeah. so just because they preach the Bible and read the Bible doesn't mean they're nice people. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah I, okay. I would agree with that. So me and my roommate were out in the backyard today because, fuck it, it's a decent day today, right? So in the backyard, we're, we're talking, we're singing random songs terribly because both of us can't sing, right? And my next door neighbor is staring at me. This old white dude is probably like his 60s, right? He's just staring at me, right? And like at first, I was just like, whatever. Like, I'm just going to know, right? And he kept staring. I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are? Hey, think about it this way. At Why least this guy singing. He should be singing. <laughs> At least you're not the no, black boyfriend like... who's being brought like... home. I was gonna At say this. Yeah, like at least you're not the black boyfriend who's being brought home to a See, family no. that feels no. that they need to warn you. That's you. That That's the on you. Grandpa, you, you that the grandpa to is, might not be as welcoming to you because of that. Because yeah. apparently, in the past, he's made mention that he will. Well, he's made mention that he will do certain things if either her or her sister comes home with, you know, someone who's black or brown or whatever. Oh, goodness. Um, See, however, I preach, I preach love whoever you want to love, right? But yeah. that's when you, you should have been prepared. Well, no, I am prepared. Like, I'm okay with it. I, I'm, you know, I met him, when was it? A couple days ago. The hoodie that just had, you know, magical black man on it. And he just, Yeah. He didn't say anything, which is surprising because we all went back inside and they were all like, wow, he did not say a word. Well, a lot of people um, but like, then, right, is yeah. they talk a lot of shit behind people's backs, but once it actually comes down to confrontation, they kind of melt away a little bit. They're not really mm -hmm. willing to stand by that sort of conviction. Well, yeah. and also, I think it's also like from a grandparent or something like that. I think if he sees like, oh, his granddaughter is really happy then it might be like, oh, he might be like, okay, she's happy, then I guess I'm okay with it kind of thing. And like yeah. realize that it's like not the end of the world. Once it's not this nebulous concept, but it's something really grounded in reality, it can change people's opinions pretty quickly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's true. So that's that like that's a very real thing in like uh what's like deconverting people from racism, I guess. Mm -hmm. Is you just have to sort of ground their reality and positive experiences right and that can sort of de-radicalize people really quickly right mm -hmm. 
Um, except you're, you know, Monsieur Condé, and they're just set in their way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those people are just evil. But for the, average, like the average sort of racist person, it's mostly just a lack of exposure and a lack of sort of, well, ignorance in its most literal sense, right? Yeah, that's true. I do so, agree ignorance is usually most of it. Well, I mean, there. like, hey, I am probably the only one here who grew up in, like, the, like, country, country. My hometown had the token black family and the token Asian family. The rest of my school was very white or had a lot of Aboriginal students. Literally and that was it. Thing, Pam. It's it's kind of surprising, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it mean, was a bit of a shock coming to Winnipeg, not gonna lie. Yeah. Me, I feel like in this group, me and Sam are the only ones who grew up in cities and you guys are the I don't say country folk, but but country folk. Like I grew up around so many different like people who would like you would you you just didn't even know what their heritage was because there was yeah. just a mix yeah. of so many things. And that's just how I grew up, right? I have a friend who I had a friend who was Irish, another one who was like Latino, another one I mean Spanish Latino, not Mexican Latino, but yeah. you know so you someone else Spanish who's Yeah, someone else who's you know, my my cousin is mixed race, like he's half black but he's like half Russian, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like oh. that's the extent to which like everything just like, that's how, what I grew up in where like everything's just kind of a mix. So can it's always imagine, hard. Can you imagine it's how always, people would have lost their shit if this was one of Django? Yeah, you know. You so, can't be losing your shit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Monsieur Condi would lose his shit too if he saw yeah. Mudbound. So. Can, I, can I talk about the scene where... When they found out that they, were, like, they had to get Boomhilda. Oh, when he slices his hand open and he actually did that in the real... And that's yeah. actually not a fake thing. He did that yeah, on real. accident. Yeah, mm -hmm. that was brilliant. Like, yeah. I love the fact that at one moment he's looking at his hand and you can see in Leo's face, he's like, ah, shit, this kind of hurts. <laughs> <laughs> it was genuine. <laughs> oh my goodness. It, yeah. It was, yeah. His he's acting was a good fun. actor. Top tier you know, in that scene. Leo is amazing. Like, yeah. Except in the re movie The Revenant. Like, I know he won not, an Oscar for he that. He should have won an Oscar that for The Revenant. Sucked. That movie was awful. <laughs> Loki, in oh, my mind, I think they gave him the Oscar for The Revenant because they knew he should have got it for Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. That was a pity Oscar. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was. Yeah. And you know what? Fine. Whatever. I'll, I'll accept that. Um. But yeah, I felt ripped off watching The Revenant. Uh, we criticize this movie for being long and kind of stale. That's a one. long, stale movie. <laughs> yeah. This my dad and I watched that. Literally, track. my dad, who I've never seen yell at the TV, was yelling at the TV at the end of the movie. He's like, what the fuck? This is how it ends? Seriously? Okay, I, he just dies? I guess since we're like this deep into it, I guess I can bring up what I was going to bring up earlier. Yeah. Where um, Quentin Tarantino actually played a character in this movie. Oh yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Oh, who was he? Was, he was the Australian. He was the Australian guy at the end. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino's an Aussie. No, he's... no, he he acted like he acted with uh... an Australian accent at the end. Oh, okay. But yeah, he's the one. Wow, did not know that. He's the one who was like, "Oh, you're all right for blackie," you know, and then <laughs> Jimmy Fox was like, "You're all right for whitey," you know, and I was like, "That's hilarious." Um, okay, before he gets like, shot, obviously. It's, it's so funny that the fact that in this movie, he does not want to use the N-word. But if yeah. you go all the way back to um, Pulp Fiction, 
when he yeah. made a cameo in that movie, he was just dropping it all the time. Time, yeah. This time he didn't. This oh. He just said Blackie. Yeah. His uh cameo in Pulp Fiction was I love that so much. Yeah. <laughs> he was such a good character. Oh my goodness! I it was just great. I can't believe I'm saying this, but Loki Django's dialogue, the movie, the dialogue in this movie is just not up to Quentin Tarantino's dialogue. If that makes sense. Oh, no. thank God! I know it was like not super dialogue-y, but I think that made that this movie better. Yeah, like, it didn't, it wouldn't have fit as well with this movie, I think. Mm. Like, the most Tarantino-esque portion of it was that uh, KKK raid, right? That KKK mm-hmm. raid was so fun. <laughs> but that's, like, it was great, though. It was pretty good. Well, like, and that's the thing is, like, I think that's what made this movie more enjoyable than Inglorious Bastards for me, was because it wasn't these long, drawn-out talk, 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 ex- excessive amount of dialogue and boringness. Like, the story kind of moved itself throughout the whole this one. Hmm. At least that's how yeah. I thought it was. Like, all the dialogue, I thought, like, it wasn't the best dialogue, but it was, like, I'm going to compare it kind of to, like, how Mad Max Fury Road was, which was, is not a dialogue-heavy movie at all, but, like, the story kind of moved along at a pace that it um, had no need for it. It kind of told itself. Right. Okay, yeah. yeah, it's not the plot isn't reliant on the dialogue at all. Yeah. As much. Yeah. Oh, so after jump cut number six or something, uh, <laughs> I think we've got all the little <laughs> bugs ironed out at this point. This is going to be yeah. so hard to edit, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like, you might have to go way before the water started running in the first place. So. Sorry, <laughs> I... it turns That's out all microphones are sensitive, people. Yeah, <laughs> wait, were you walking with the phone in your hand when you need to get water? Yeah, I did because I, yeah, <laughs> I should just like leave it when I go fucking get like food and stuff like that. I'm so bad for like this is like me joining my meetings at work online now. If I just bring my laptop upstairs, pair of headphones, start making breakfast while I listen in on mute. <laughs> <laughs> well, normally, hey, normally I'm pretty good. I just today I'm forgetting to like mute my mic when I go get water and stuff yeah. like that, or like go make coffee. It's my my solo existence out here in the middle of fucking nowhere. Yeah, you're just so used to making all the noise, aren't you? Yeah, pretty much. Remember like a couple Uh, of episodes ago when Pam actually muted it so she wouldn't have coughing on the thing. So like, I'm being responsible and now she's like, yeah, fuck it. (laughs) This chocolate bar wrapper, water running. Jeez. We're gonna hear a blender. (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just gotta make myself margaritas. Because oh, like, I don't have a life. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, um, fun story. I have okay. an oversized margarita glass in my room. Jeez, we should we should get back to this movie. Yeah, yes. let's get back to this movie. <laughs> where, 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 something about dialogue driving the plot. No, dialogue yeah. was not driving the plot. The plot was driving the plot, which sounds really stupid when I say that. Well, action, action was driving the plot essentially. Mm-hmm. More the, the story action. told itself, like, moved itself along as opposed to where, like, in the Glorious Bastards, it was mm-hmm. all dialogue that moved it I along. think there's and also that's... something we're overlooking with this film, too, and that was the score. The soundtrack was great. Oh, the soundtrack was amazing. It was like, great. I loved the, like, the rap and then, like, the classic country and then yeah. the mm-hmm. classical. It was on that, point. That two rap it was the... in this movie that I loved. Rick yeah. Ross is 100 Black Coffins. And yeah, Tupac's... that's a good one. Do I want to get on before I die? Like that was so yeah. great. <laughs> mm-hmm. I also liked the um just Django's theme in general that always played whenever he did something cool. They were like do 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 
I was like, that's great. That's good. I'm okay with that. Do you know where that comes from? Is actually from like old spaghetti westerns where like they have the hero ride into town and he has his theme song. So they just like played it to announce his presence. So I like that that they carried that into this movie. Mm -hmm. Which is just amazing. It was great. I think my Uh, favorite one was that first song that plays right at the beginning credits. It's sort of like a Western. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that Western ballad. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that song for some reason. Yeah. That was a good one, too. Um, I also like there was a French one that played um, at Monsieur Condé's house as well when uh, when they were setting the table. Yeah. I'm trying to remember. uh, I saved it on my phone because I thought it sounded nice, too. Basically, the score for this movie was great, too. It's good. I think people underestimate the power of a score for a movie. I I do not, and I recognize that it worked. In a boring score, it's like forgettable, right? But when the score is amazing, you remember. When the score, it it adds to it. Yeah, for sure. Um, There's this anime movie, uh, Kimi no Nawa, which in English is your name, right? The soundtrack is fucking for more and more that I still listen to this this that soundtrack four years on. Hmm. I was gonna say so for not for non weebs, um <laughs> think of Jaws. Yes, the soundtrack for Jaws. Like think of that dana dana that just like adds the intensity. Now it's super hokey and cheesy, but yeah, like back right. in the time when it came out, like that was like you heard that and you knew something was hey, but built the tension up, right? It like was, it set the tone. I was even I was even gonna go something in more recent, like uh, like the Rocky movies spilling into like the Creed movies, where like right. the or initial the Terminator ones. Terminator movies. Those, yeah. those themes are a lot more iconic. Um, mm-hmm. but I'll be honest, I still think the best score of any movie ever is actually How to Train Your Dragon. Yes, I agree with you 100%. I agree with you. There's there's a video I watched on YouTube actually lately that uh, it talked about how the very first like five minutes of it has all the themes kind of wrapped up into one song as it cuts between characters. It sort of plays a little bit of their theme to sort of establish what it is. I and then I, each of those songs are expanded into like full orchestral pieces. Uh, mm-hmm. and the score is just—it's perfect. It's actually perfect in my opinion. My uh, yeah. favorite one is Star Wars. A, a oh! classical. Everyone knows it though. Like that's yeah. again like yeah. the Jaws. Like it's a yeah. very pop culture reference. Yeah. Like with How to Train Your Dragon, I can't remember the score from that one. I've only seen what? the movies once. I've only da, seen them da, once. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Okay, I'll go. I'll go watch oh my god! Tomorrow. Every time I hear that, my heart drops. It's I so good. Like, I'm just like, I want a dragon so bad right now. <laughs> I, okay, here, I will go do that tomorrow oh when goodness. I'm sitting at home. I'll watch How to Train Your Dragon. So, um, oh man! Even but, just as soon as Michael mentioned it, my heart. We dropped, should we should like, do that on the podcast at some point. Oh, we're gonna do like the whole so trilogy. great. Okay, I maintain the How to Train Your Dragon trilogy is perfect. Which one? Yes, the trilogy for yeah, How, How to Train, train Your Dragon. The, the, it's all three movies were good. I yeah. think the first one is the best. The first um, one is the best, second. but I don't think yeah. the quality of the mess is not as extreme as other trilogies. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, can I just say something? Like, I know these are two... Um, actually, I think this one's maybe not as recognizable. Like, there's the few recognizable from the this movie, but as a whole, the soundtrack isn't very... Um, like, when you look at the soundtrack as a whole, it's not super recognizable. But mm-hmm. I, the soundtrack, I think that is ultimately perfect um beside how to train dragon is the lord of the rings trilogy music um like there's the few songs like the hobbit theme song that you um do recognize 
but most of the the rest of the songs are just very well written and like it has won awards for its orchestrated original mm-hmm. soundtrack right mm-hmm. so yeah. uh i think another movie too that also had a pretty decent score was uh, black panther i like the score for black panther that's pretty good too can't comment never seen it I oh my god really care for it Oh, like for the well, I guess because it's more like feud, like hip hop fusion with movie scores, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's wait, more... you remember the first theme, the first trailer for Black Panther dropped, and it was um Vince Staples, uh, yeah, back, with right? uh, uh, I was back back, yeah, yeah, back. Like, that's that was that was because literally so, the like, the chorus the chorus of that song is you know tell the president to suck a dick because we all know I'm like we I'm like damn <laughs> you know what, like, since we're yeah. on the music topic I want to say like recognizable songs um and I don't know if you guys will recognize this but maybe the ladies that listen to our podcast will know this um but there was a Yves Saint Laurent perfume commercial a couple years ago that had the song The Hills by The Weeknd mm. on it, legit mm. made me fall in love with The Weeknd. The Weeknd always does that. Like, I, <laughs> did, I did, that. like, no, I didn't, wasn't the biggest, like, didn't know his music, but after that, I was like, oh, I need to find out what song this was, and I was like, that's my favorite song. I was just, like, laying in bed just listening to the album, and I'm like, yes. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> yes, I, mean, I, no. I hate to say this, but The Weeknd is the king of fuckboys. <laughs> yeah, like, his, his, his good. his music is so great, but he has l- little relics like I'm just trying swimming something wetter than the ocean. Yeah, well, that's his lyrics are very. Okay, <laughs> okay, here's my thing: his music is great to have sex to, but yeah. we'll leave it at that. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Let's get back to this movie. We're talking about. Oh movie. my goodness! So okay, yes, great. Django. We have amazing. To talk, we have to talk about the man, the myth, the legend. Samuel L. Jackson as Steven. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, Bef- like starting as Steve, uh, uh, starting before Steven. You remember where um, Django was told he has to play the part of a slaver. He has to play a black slaver, right? Yeah. Um, and then you know he tells the doctor that you know nothing is lower than a black slaver. You know, like that's the lowest of the low that you can be as a black person, right? Mm. And then. You know, for, fast forward, you meet Steven, who is indeed the lowest of the low, <laughs> who's just constantly angry and battering his people for no apparent Steven reason. Steven is the perfect <laughs> an- Uncle Tom. It's perfect Uncle awful. Tom. Yeah. But but the thing is, I, again, not to shame some certain people in the black community. But I'm going to shame like Uncle Tom. I'm going to shame every single Uncle Tom I meet. <laughs> There's people like that, literally, they are, around. And I'm ashamed of them. And they exist on Fox News. <laughs> they do. Who are like, they're black, and then they, like, hate on their own people. And it's just like, why? Why do you hate yourself so much? You know, you it's remember, like... Uh, remember Uncle it's so weird. Money. Yeah. <laughs> but Steven wasn't even getting paid. He just enjoyed seeing other black people miserable. It was yeah, weird. Yeah, because like, he was in a higher effort place in life because of that. Yeah, oh, yeah, I guess don't so don't un, gotta don't underestimate like the 
I guess, sense of power that people can get off of that and what they will well, do for that, right? And it's the concept yeah. of being a house slave versus a field, field slave, slave, right? Because, oh, like, if yeah. you were a house slave, like, especially if you were a female house slave, like, I know there was a lot of sex- sexual abuse and stuff like that that went on, but usually if you were a house, a female house slave, you were the prettiest of the pretty, and that's why they wanted you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why why do you think one of the biggest insults in the black community is when someone calls you a house slave? I did not yeah. know that. I'm being yeah, educated that is a, here. That's a very big insult. Yeah. <laughs> a very big insult. So why why is that insulting? It, uh, it calls you soft. Oh it literally okay. just says you're soft. Okay. You betray yeah. your own people. You're you're not worthy of being one of that us. That makes sense. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Oh yeah, cause oh yeah, that cause whenever we hang out with our friends, they're like, "I'd rather be a field slave." That's what everyone always says. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. like I'd rather I've, be a field slave than a house slave. Yeah, no, like I've caught on a house slave before. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness, that makes sense. Yeah, that I, I that actually does make sense now that I think about it. Um, uh, yeah, Stephen, his first reaction when he sees Django on a horse. <laughs> Why is he on a horse? Why is he on a nag? Like, see, why is like, like, hi, on the floor laughing at that scene. And then, you know, Leo, Monsieur Condi's kind of like, it's okay, Stephen, relax, relax. Like, I ain't gonna relax. Why is he on a nag? (laughs) I'm not gonna lie, like, that scene, like, it was not the best scene in the movie, but that I think was my favorite batch of dialogue through the whole movie it was just so entertaining but it was the best scene (laughs) like it was like it was just so good i think his introduction in general was just pretty good they couldn't have picked a better person to play play him yeah (laughs) that is so quintessentially samuel jackson's character oh my goodness it's like it's it's the same as like him reading the book go the fuck to sleep yeah so i know specifically for uh towards the end when they get Hildy out of the hot box, um, and both Schultz and Django are looking at the hot box, uh, Samuel L. Jackson as Steven goes, you know, if you if you want to sleep in the hot box, like you, you should just say so. We can set up for you right there. And I'm like, he is he was just so because there was already so much tension with mm-hmm. getting her out of the hot box, and he breaks that tension by just being like, you keep staring at it, you might want to sleep in it, you know. And I'm just like, oh, you are. He was the worst. <laughs> He's actually just the worst kind of person. He was, he was the lowest of the low. <laughs> he did not care. Um, I also liked how when uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character is kind of like, why is she in the hot box? And he's like, because she tried to run away. And Leo goes, how many people tried to run away when I was gone? <laughs> I mean, no, And it just no. sounded like everything went to shit when he left. <laughs> it's like people were just running away. <laughs> I thought that was great too. But yeah, no. Uh I his character was oh I wanted to hit him. He was so he was the worst. He was I was he glad was when he, he died. Awful. <laughs> I was like that final scene when Django just like murdering everyone and he says to two of the slaves, he's like, say goodbye to your mistress. What? Say oh, yeah. Okay, bye. Bye. Boom. Yeah. And she just fucking flies out of screen. That was yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, so we cheesy. talk about the scene where, like, they figure out they're here for Hildy instead of buying uh, one of the mandingos, quote unquote, for fighting. Um, Wait, can we go back? Was it in Gross Bastards when Pam thought that Leo was the good guy in this movie? 
(laughs) 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 And then, you know, they force uh, Schultz to uh, sign on the bill or whatever and pay the 12 grand, $12,000. And then that's when he has the whole Alexandre Dumas speech as well. Uh, you know, and Leo's dumb character goes, you know, he he's a soft Frenchie. That's probably why he thinks black people should be treated as equals. Like, and then, black. you know, he just shows Alexander Dumas is black. <laughs> black. <laughs> um, <laughs> and his face, he just looked so like, huh, I didn't know that. You know, <laughs> you know, like that just like tears apart everything, you your entire presentation with the skull from earlier on. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then. Yeah, and then after that, he goes, you know, the deal isn't final until you shake my hand. And then I, I think, um, oh, yeah, right. Leo's character goes, you're a sore loser. And then Schultz's character is like, and you're an abysmal winner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, the back and forth was just so great. I, that that scene was just perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also when he shoots uh, Leo's character and he knows he just he, he's just like couldn't resist like he he knew he fucked up yeah, yeah. he knew he's gonna die for that yeah he, he had to he up. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's a Quentin Tarantino movie we all knew it, what was gonna happen at the end it was going yeah. to end that way yeah. we knew there was gonna be blood guts and gore. this could have this could have ended without bloodshed if no. he just shook his hand and walked away it might have maybe but then like does oh yeah he did have the twelve thousand yeah. Mm-hmm. You could. They could have just. They could have ended without bloodshed. They could have paid money. Yeah. <laughs> How much is your significant other worth to you? Oh my god! If all three hundred thousand dollars in real time, in <laughs> real terms, well, today's mean, money. Sam is the only one who can answer that one. Yes, Sam. How much? I'm not answering that question. I'm not answering that question. It's a slippery slope from there. Yeah. You're going to Ah, fucking firehouse. I think about it. <laughs> oh mean, my goodness! Oh, it's it's a slippery so slope. He has to do social distancing. <laughs> <laughs> I just realized oh, I feel bad God. for kidnappers now. Like they can't kidnap anyone because they have to stay six feet apart. Oh my God, it is just ain't no good anymore, is it? Oh my goodness! Jeez. Uh, yeah, no, and then, you know, you fast forward to just Django being taken, uh, prison, and then, um, Steven shows up again, he's like, they talked about so many ways to make you pay for what you did, you know, we talked about snipping your balls, and, like, doing whatever, he call he says, like, a bunch of things, and he's like, but I said, nah, that's too, too easy, instead, we're gonna send you to, like, a mine where you're gonna work yourself to death, and, like, you know, Steven kind of wants him to suffer. Uh, till he dies, right? Um, which is kind of a yeah. you know the classic Disney villain thing to do, where you don't kill the main character. Instead, he you... knows what will break the character. Yeah, you know. Um, but then Quentin Tarantino as the Aussie um, <laughs> slaver that took him in <laughs> goes in like, "Hey, do you want to make some money? You know, we could do, we could do a bounty together, or whatever." And Quentin Tarantino, you know, because you, know, you got to deal blacky, you know. I just that I don't know why that made me laugh. That just made me laugh so bad. Because um, even when Australians are trying to be racist, it's just it just comes off as just hilarious. Um, <laughs> um, you know, and then Django makes like short work of them. This scene was also powerful because he does that, and then he frees the other guys who are in the carriage. 
because mm-hmm. he opens up the the that uh, the unlocks the door and everything and then he rides off and then it shows the face of one of the free slaves the one of the slaves he just freed and he's actually just smiling and like watching Django ride off and that kind of just gives you that whole like vibe that oh this dude's definitely going to tell his kids about Django you mm-hmm. know like yeah this is this is a guy who's like a black guy who like he's you know and a they do hero. Yeah, you know, and they do a flashback to, like, uh, Schultz being like, they're going to call you the fastest gun in the West, you know, or whatever. I thought that was cool. Um, and then he just goes back and mercs everyone. <laughs> and then, and, and then of stuff. course, they had to have the classic, you know, reuniting cowboy and his girl kiss. I thought that was cool. Cause, it you was, know, it was goes, well done. Yeah, because remember when he first meets Hildy in the bedroom? Mm-hmm. And he goes, "Hey, little troublemaker!" And then she and just boom. she just faints. And then yeah. Schultz goes, "You silver devil tongue, you <laughs> silver tongue devil, <laughs> you silver tongue devil." It's like all he said was, "Hey, troublemaker." <laughs> it was awful. But I mean, think of how long um, they probably haven't seen each other, and like you yeah. didn't even know if they were mm-hmm. alive, right? If they're alive, yeah, that's true. That's and true. suddenly he's a free bounty hunter. Like what? That <laughs> yeah. would be a bit of a shock. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah no, I, thought, I thought the whole that, was, that was well done. It was very cute. It was very well done. It was a good way to wrap everything up. It was mm-hmm. so romantic. Um, and then you know Stephen's death again was just great because <laughs> he goes, "I heard you told me there were so many ways to make me suffer, but." I recall you never mentioned kneecapping and then just started shooting up, shooting yeah. at his knees. <laughs> and Stevie just said, they go get you, Django. They go get you for this. You ain't going to get away with this. Doesn't matter to him. I, He's dead. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, Steven's reaction when Leo gets shot. Steven yeah. He just, he just goes, great no. <laughs> It was like his son died. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. Last thing I want to talk about before we wrap up: um, when they first uh, get to Monsieur Candy's, like whatever, wherever he, uh, wherever he is, like during the Mandingo fights. But his lawyer, who apparently was raised by uh, Leo's dad as well, where he was talking about, oh, like one might say. I was raised by them and I was raised almost to like, you know, serve him to be his lawyer. And then, <laughs> and then, you know, Django goes, one might almost say you're a slave. And he's like, what? And then, like, you know, he's like, he didn't say anything. It's fine. <laughs> I just thought that was great. Comedy in this, in this movie, fucking fantastic. Great comedy. It was good. Like, yeah. great yeah. comedy. Just yeah. all around good comedy. And I know there was like the whole white savior complex in this movie. Too, but I think it was done. It was like well, I should say, I don't want to say well executed because it's not the right thing, but it was done in a sense where it was kind of like they were co heroes in the sense like Django and the Doctor were co heroes yeah. together. So it was like done in a better way than other movies have it done was it. A, also, more realistic. Yeah. I, I, love right. the way, I love the way, apparently, like the white savior topic has to be tiptoed around. If the white savior is in a movie, it's there. Like, yeah. for me, I I don't care if it's done well or not. If it's in the movie, it's in the movie. Don't, <laughs> I don't, like, this movie I enjoyed. I understand why the white savior will exist in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's very different to say the white savior in um, 
Black Panther, the white savior in that movie about the kid who plays football really good, but is kind of mentally challenged, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think it also comes to that aspect where, like, to um to get a foot up, you need allies in the other race to also mm-hmm. help out. Yeah. Because, like, when you see, I don't know, like, Uchi, you listen to rap, you've seen J. Cole's, like, G-O-M-D video, right? And then you notice, too, that the white woman in that was the white savior, where she stops... Um, she stops the other dude from like seeing the black slaves in the back, like getting guns and ammunition so they could like cause a revolt and stuff. Right. And then in the end, she, she actually just leaves with them. And then she's, she's one of them. Well, not one of them, but she, she dedicates her life to being on the run with them, to getting them to safety. So it's kind of like those situations where you have, um, a white ally or white savior in the film or whatever. It's a very thin line when Hollywood represents that. Because usually, more often than not, when Hollywood does do that, then they go further to give the white people involved in it a pat on their backs for doing that. For doing the right thing. And don't even... What was that? For doing the right thing. For doing the right thing. I think that's my biggest problem I have with the white savior role. Mm -hmm. It's like -hmm. like Hollywood... It's like white people giving themselves a pat on the back for being good people. Not, for not being racist. Yeah. yeah. See, it's like, hey, and like I'm the, not racist. So yay me. Like, okay, a decent person then. I think that's what I liked about the way they did it in this one, where it's like they didn't do that and they had um, Django kind of come up on top as the ultimate hero, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a certain level of intent that needs to be analyzed alongside it, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I thought that's where they did it really well because he actually gave his life for. Mm-hmm. Okay, actually, no, that's kept that. I don't know if I would necessarily say that because he did. There's no way he would have yeah, known Jack when Hildy would make it out alive. Yeah, yeah that exactly. was totally self interested. Yeah, self-interested. <laughs> but yeah, um, let's start yeah. wrapping up because I'm gonna have so okay. much fun editing this one later. <laughs> yeah. um, over here at the Northern Critic Podcast, we rate and review our films using a coordinate system. Um, we have North for good writing and South for bad writing of a movie or bad screenplay. Um, in a similar fashion, we have East for good cinematography or style or casting, um, all the other stuff that encompasses a good movie. Um, and we have West if all of that was bad. Um, so who wants to go first? Let's to the white savior. I should, pro- I should probably reiterate, too, that a Northeast would be a movie with good writing and good cinematography. Yeah, yeah, and no, a Southwest yeah. would be bad. Yeah, right. yeah. mm-hmm. Let's give it to a white savior. Who wants to be the white savior this week? <laughs> I will be. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, overall, um, I-, I don't really know how to slot my complaints about the length in with this movie. Um mm-hmm. I'm going to say I'd probably go like on the everything else. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's like I'm going to give it mostly north and mostly east, but I don't want to give it like everything good um, because it was a little. uh, I don't know. I I can't I can't explain it. It's just sort of a gut feeling with me that it didn't quite feel like it great 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 movie if that makes sense right it, it was a little long and i was a little tired of it by the end it's so, exhausting yeah it left yeah. me a little tired so i can't quite give it a perfect score in that case mm-hmm. um i was a huge fan 
of sort of the way it kicked off as well. Um, I thought it did a really good job of just establishing everything really crisply, really cleanly. And that's not something we really talked about that much. Um, but like immediately you're sympathetic with the main character. You get the situation and you like the bounty hunter because he is immediately proven to be like a smart and active character who right. you're on his side. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and you also like the villains in a hateful kind of way. Oh, yeah. And the villains yeah. are delightfully evil that you have zero sympathy when they die. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah, that's my take on the movie. Good. Bordering on great, but not quite. Mm. Okay. Who wants to go next? I guess I will. Um, I'm going to give it like like Michael's. A nor- mostly, nor- mostly north and mostly east. Um, like... Uh, the length of the movie is what drove me a little crazy. Um, and like the length and like, cause it was so long, I found the pacing was a little bit off and like, honestly, they could have probably made this movie two hours, even maybe even a little bit shorter, condensed the story and made, and it would have been equally as good of a movie. Um, the characters I thought were well-rounded, well-developed. Like you said, you liked the good guys and you hated the bad guys. Um, and like the way the story whole started, it captured you and like got you into the movie. And like, that's just kind of where with how long it was, there was so intense. The beginning was so intense. I would see that intensity carried through an hour and 45 minutes, two hours yeah, and have it. And as opposed to two hours and 45 minutes where like vote by that hour and 15 mark, I was kind of starting to lose the interest in it. The soundtrack was amazing. I thought it was very well-rounded. Um, Plot-driven, which was nice. But, I mean, am I going to watch it again? Maybe, maybe not. It's a good movie. It's not great. It's not an amazing 10 Michael Bays out of 10 Michael Bays for me. It's like, <laughs> oh, I would say a 3 Michael Bays. <laughs> What's a yeah, ten Michael how, does this, how does this Michael Bay system even work? We'll let the <laughs> listener extrapolate. It's, not yeah. just it's better if it's abstract. <laughs> I, I know what uh, I know. What a ten Michael Bay's movie is, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, that's beside the point. That's just now become mm. a running joke. Um, right. Am I, it's like, am I? Get, I'm gonna go back to. Am I gonna buy it on Blu-ray? No. Oh, you don't buy it on Blu-ray? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> No, you're also not like you. You also need to put in the factor that you're not black. So to you, it's just a movie, right? Whereas to like someone else of that demographic, this is like a, this is our like our only Western hero, literally. Yeah. So, see, like, and uh, like, I think that's like, what it also is like, um, yeah. like a Western movie with like a black main character. This. Um, this is the only one that exists. Yeah, Not see, like, but you know, yeah. for me, there's no movies really that Wait, even like the... with the actor being white, black, whatever, polka dotted. Uh, none of them. I've never really had a hero thing for an actor, um, like or a hero like movie where it's like, oh, I love this hero. He's super inspirational to me. I love this movie because of it. Um, so yeah, like it to me, a movie well, is a movie. Again, that feeds yeah. back into it because again, yeah. most of the movies who have heroes. Are white, so yeah. it's just that is a, that is a white it's normal to thing. you, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, it, all movies are just movies to me. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I'll yeah, look at that that reasons. feeds into what I'm saying too, because again, yeah. white, so, yeah. and all movies have white people in them. So oh, yeah. to you guys, it's very normal. Whereas to us, when you see a colored person on screen, it's like finally oh. somebody who's not white. You know, I that's was like gonna say. Deal. 
Sam, you want to yeah. watch a funny western with a black sheriff? Go watch Blazing Saddles. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I'll, check, I'll check that out. I can't like, talk about that movie. I've never seen it. It, is, it, will, it insults absolutely anyone and everyone, but it's, it's funny. I also should mention that um, this movie, well, I guess I'm doing my, my own yeah. take on it. Before Northeast, go, for sure. Before you yeah. go, how are you going to mm-hmm. disrespect my man, Will Smith? Who made Wild Wild West? No, 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 no. You know better than that. Don't do this. Don't do this. I could disrespect my man. Don't do this. What you just terrible, but like what you just did is the equivalent of white people watching. Um, what's a I don't know. What's a good white people superhero? Well, not superhero, but heroic (laughs) movie. I don't know. Okay, I don't know. It's the Captain of... Marvel. I was gonna say any of the Avenger <laughs> what, movies. What you ta- what you what you just yeah. did is the equivalent of comparing um Captain America Civil War to um Inspector Gadget. That's literally what you just did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's literally what you just did. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> so, um <laughs> We we forget Wild Wild West. Uh, I'm not gonna say it doesn't exist, but Will Smith could do better. Uh, yeah, apparently he can't. He did After Earth as well. Oh my! Don't God. forget Suicide Squad. Uh, Concussion with Loki and sword every single Nigerian. I was mad for Nigerians as well. I'm like, what kind of Nigerian did. accent is that? It was it was a pretty bad Nigerian accent. <laughs> uh, like, I remember that trailer. I was like, we must fight. I'm like, where the hell are you from? <laughs> Oh my goodness. So, I mean, looking at it through the lens of like a black person or a person of color rather, um I I'm not going to say I'm going to give it a higher rating, but it's I I appreciate the It's more meaningful. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like me it's like growing up loving Spider-Man but only knowing him as Peter Parker mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden Miles shows up and you're like, "Fuck yeah." You know, like like he's a, he's a black kid in Brooklyn, which is very normal. It would make sense if a black kid was Spider Man too. You know, it's yeah. just it's lovable, um, and it's very normal. So I I like that. Um, however, it is long. Like I said earlier, I'm not gonna lie. I think uh, through from the Mandingo fight up until Steven shows up, I probably maybe just dozed off a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Steven literally woke me up. So, <laughs> so um, it it is uh, pretty long. Uh, I think they could have. I I I want to say if there was anything to cut, it would have been the Big Daddy scenes. But then if they did that, then the KKK comedy wouldn't have been as impactful. I honestly yeah, think so. they could have cut that whole traveling scene, and that would have shortened it by half an hour. Oh yeah, I don't even know how long that scene was. It it was um, a, a, at least a good fifteen, I think. That's with the dogs and everything, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. It so really established villainy, but at that point, we didn't really need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually do it. And again, that, that, the brutality of it as well. It yeah. came back to my earlier conversation with Mudbound, right? Where like, I already know it's bad. I don't need to watch a person who looks like me get like, you know, mauled by two dogs, you know? Yeah. That, 
just made me like I I know it happened and I know it was but like I that just was like a scene it just made me very uncomfortable mm-hmm. okay. and that was the point the, that yeah. scene existed only to show the doctor's humanity that he does not agree with yeah because he was the only yeah. one in that scene who felt uncomfortable and I'm like that scene only existed for him mm-hmm. for him yeah mm-hmm so he actually just sees that slavery is bad. Like he knew slavery was bad, but he didn't know it was that bad, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which it was. The South black is horrible. friend. South is horrible time, and it still is right now. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah, that includes Southern Manitoba sometimes. To be honest, um, <laughs> okay. So maybe not so far down south. Just randomly for Manitoba under the bus as well. <laughs> Hey, you okay, know, I was... We I ain't was, Alberta over here. Yeah, I yeah, was outside of Manitoba. <laughs> I was outside of Manitoba at a wildlife retreat where, you know, someone looks at me and goes, never have I ever seen a black person before. And I'm like, wow. You just, you just right out the gate, just already calling out my blackness. Cool. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so the white tour audience who's listening, uh, also, <laughs> just don't do that. Just, yeah, we're people like you. Okay, just don't, don't be weird. <laughs> I, I like to say we're not just people like you. We are better. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just, uh, I was gonna say my thing is is live by the rule. I don't care what color, what issues you have, whether you're pink, black, polka dot, green, whatever, as long as you're not a shitty person. Yeah, so as long as you're not a shit person, I don't care where you're from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. But yeah, so I would definitely give this movie Northeast as well. Um the only thing I dock at points for is probably the length as well. Um it could could be better, but then like from a movie producer, like movie maker perspective, it's also hard because when you love all the scenes it's hard to cut stuff. It's hard to cut stuff out, yeah. So Alright. Yeah. Um I wanna say I love love this movie, but it's kind of like slightly northeast. Like it's not his best it's not his best movie. And like as we all said, the the movie's way too long. The dialogue is not as sharp. The characters are pretty great. Like all the characters are really great. The plot's pretty entertaining. But there's just something about this movie where it's just not as great as it could be. You know? I think the camera's mm-hmm. amazing. There's a, there's a spark that's missing. It's just, yeah, there's something just missing from this movie to make it great. Like, it's very good. It's very entertaining. It's amazing. Maybe it's like... We watched Inglourious Bastard last week, right? And I remember Samuel L. Jackson's narration kind of helped tie into the movie, right? And it just wasn't here in this movie. And about halfway through the movie, we have a text scroll. And I'm like, I don't want a text scroll in this movie. Yeah. yeah. I think it needed Brad Pitt as a second white savior. For yeah. three of them. Oh, you need like three white saviors in this movie. That's why this movie needed more white saviors. If it was Brad, I don't know. Maybe it's because I just saw one spot time in Hollywood today, and I was like, I wish Brad Pitt was in this movie too. <laughs> I wish Brad Pitt was in this movie too. Because like, imagine, person. imagine you know Leonardo DiCaprio's character being talking about the whole brain and like frontal lobe bullshit or whatever, and Brad Pitt just going, 
Nah, no, that man. can't be right. <laughs> I've killed a lot of Nazis, and their brains, their brains weren't the right. <laughs> it's just like his nonchalant reaction. He'd be like, "Nah, that don't sound right." <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know. Like, this movie is—it's not his best movie. It's pretty good. It's entertaining, but like, will I watch it a third time? Yes, I watched it a third time. I'm not gonna lie to myself. I'm gonna watch this movie. Yes. <laughs> I'm gonna rewatch this movie. Yeah. But I, I, like like to watch a re-watch movie. I feel like if you're in the black community, like my kids are probably gonna watch this movie because it's, it's just so iconic. Enough, like as soon as my kids are old enough to watch this movie, I can yeah, see exactly. my wife being mad at me, being like, "Really? They're six years old." <laughs> I was going to say, if you show these ki- your kids this movie before they're at least 12 or 13, mm, hmm. so I'm judging like, you as a parent. <laughs> my kids are going to watch some really great shit before they're like 12, 13 years old. Well, as here's as, the, yeah, wait, but, wait, wait, as soon as my kids can understand, they're watching the boondocks. Yes, very true. Very, very true. Because that's the thing, right? I feel like it, it is very important. I had my little cousin who's 12. Just she didn't even know slavery was a thing until like I was I took them to see Frozen oh, Two in December wait. when it came out. Well, okay, before you continue she, the story, yeah, I'm okay. not teaching my kids slavery through this movie because it's not a great. No, no, definitely happened. not. It's no. not mm-hmm. even close to what happened. No, but yeah, I just mean in terms of the exposure, right? Because then she didn't know that slavery was a thing because my aunt or my uncle didn't really like talk about it with them. Um, until someone in school, she said a boy in school told her about it, right? Um, he happened to be white, but then, you know, he was kind of like going, yeah, you guys used to be slaves or whatever. Um, and then, you know, she asked me, you know, she's like, when was slavery a thing? Or like, when did it end? You know, whatever. And then I'm put in the position where it's like, I could tell them about it, but then my aunt and uncle could hate me for it. So it's like, I should tell them to tell her about it, you know? And then you're dealing with all of that. So it's just more. And I noticed this happens not just to black communities as well, but to the white community as well, where literally, and I'm, I don't know, Mike and Pam, you probably did experience this too. Your parents don't would would have probably not even told you about this, even when it comes to indigenous people as well. No, it, this I, is not something talked about, is it? I disagree. I was quite acutely aware of all of that. Yeah. But and I don't know if it was uh different parenting style because i know my mm-hmm. dad goes on about a lot of sort of historical stuff and oh so, okay. I, so like, you were a lucky so, one. Yeah. maybe i was lucky or maybe this is just normal um mm-hmm. and but I, i'm not going to comment on it either way but i mm-hmm. definitely want to disagree and say that i okay. was hugely aware of all the nonsense that happened in the states mm-hmm. and canada for that matter like yeah, um, yeah the resident was we're fucked up. <laughs> let's, let's not um, we're being very honest about that. <laughs> yeah. I knew, like, because on my dad's side, um, my my like my dad's side originally, my grandmother is from South Dakota, and her family is originally from the Virginias. Um, I knew about slavery and all that, all the shit that went on in the South, because it's part of my family history um so i have learned about it like from very early on i actually know more about that whole the slavery in the south way more than i know about any of the indigenous stuff that went on in canada um yeah because because like it was part of our family like it's part of our family history like our family i grew up like when we did um because like when i was going through junior high and i am 
older than all of you guys. <laughs> um, we read Underground Canada. And I remember like a lot of the kids in my class not knowing anything. And I was sitting there going, oh, okay. Like I knew tons about it. And everyone was like, thought I was weird because I knew about it. And I so. like I I like I'm glad that you both I think you both were just in good hands with your parents because yeah. uh, most of the other uh, Caucasian friends I have literally would just be like yeah even like in schools here like no one ever like they always knew it was a thing but they always heard it from outside sources not mm-hmm. necessarily from a parent or like from a teacher or stuff like that it wasn't really emphasized that that was a thing um, which I think is also part of the problem because people end up just being um, maybe ignorant is the right word to use ignorant or like desensitized to the fact that these are things that literally happened about a hundred years ago maybe yeah yeah that's that's something you really gotta like grandparents that are alive right now are remnants of that time like we we literally we have a lodge and we have american customers come to it to do fishing right Mm -hmm. Um, only a couple cabins but we have this uh, her name is literally nancy um, yeah. she is from of the course beach. it is she, it is she's, <laughs> so and she, we have heard her talk about her reminiscing how her grandfather would tell stories about the slaves that he owned mm-hmm. right you know like, yeah <laughs> it is not that far in the past obviously <laughs> i am paraphrasing very much right here um it is not language i'm yeah. to use in any context mm-hmm. um well, sl- slavery was abolished in like you know 1800 and something but it, the south did not abolish it until well into like the no. maybe mid 19 like slavery was technically abolished abolished after the end of the civil war however mm-hmm. It was blacks were still treated as second class citizens until probably 1970s. And yeah. then even after the 1970s, it still happened. Yeah. yeah. You still have the civil rights movements, you know. Yeah. Like, all of that still happened. Yeah. The civil rights movement. Like, to put that into context, my dad was born in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my dad was born in the 60s, too. That's how yeah. long ago the civil rights movement is. Mm-hmm. It's not that long yeah. ago. Yeah. My dad was born when the British were still, like, Occupying. holding on tonight yeah we're still occupying nigeria <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, See, the only thing that yeah. brought my country was tea everything else they fucked up <laughs> see and like that's the thing it was like you like i'm just gonna say this like going back in my grandparent on my dad's side my grandmother's roots is like in my history family tree we actually have a general a confederate general yeah oh like, shit that's just oh, how it goodness. is like yeah. I can trace my family tree on my dad's side back to before 1775, and I, my sister and I are actually in the process of proving this right now. Yeah. Um, that my sister and I are actually daughters of the American Revolution. That's so. that kind of funny, actually, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and on that show. Yeah, yeah. We're just my gonna... grandfather doesn't even know his exact birthday. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna wrap up here. Let's <laughs> start yeah. wrapping up. Throw in the mm-hmm. plugs. Oh, are we doing yep. recommendations this week? Recommendations. I'm just gonna recommend that we watch How to Train Your Dragon for the podcast up up and coming. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. I, I agree with that, that too. Like I second that opinion. I, I want to watch Train Your Dragon. Mm-hmm. And remember, yeah. everyone, wash your hands. Wait, Don't be a douchebag. 
don't touch your balls. Yeah, and stay safe. <laughs> That's I know. Uh, we've done our plugs. Yeah, we do the plugs. We should do the plugs. Dude, Chris oh, yeah. dies again. Jesus. You can. <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram at Northern Critic UMFM. Again, that's at Northern Critic UMFM. On Twitter at Northern underscore Critic. Northern underscore Critic. Yep. And we do have a website um, that is behind by one blog post, which I will probably put up tomorrow, um, where you can find a catalog of all of the movies we've done. You know, all the nice looking posters. They're all arranged very neatly. It looks like a cinema. Um and like just giving uh, brief synapses of each of them, uh, as well as uh, I think we're looking into a Patreon right now. I started looking into it a couple days ago. Yeah, um, wait, but I will polish. Following is bigger. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's what I thought. Kind of tacky. Too. Wait yeah, until, that's what I thought too. So wait until just, the COVID disaster is over and people actually it's over. Work. Yeah. So like just looking into that, but we'll see how it goes. Um, however, you know, I still really think the whole shirts with Slurpee Burgers is a fantastic idea. Um, <laughs> We're working on merch development. Baby. I will. <laughs> Punta Baby as well. That's going to work too. Um, so yeah, no, um, that is www.northerncritic.com. Uh, it's nice, clean, and simple. Apparently there's no other Northern Critic out there, so that's perfect. Um, and yeah, I think... Yeah, is anyone else plugging anything? I'm going to plug myself. Mm -hmm. um, so you can find me on Instagram at winterbeauty. So W-I-N-T-E-R-B-E-A-U-T-I. -E That's an I instead of a Y. Um, yeah, not a whole lot going on out there except cute kitten baby photos going up weekly. <laughs> uh, my recommendation would be if you're home right now and you got nothing else to watch, please watch Money Heist. Although Money Heist is a dumb name, the Spanish name for it is actually better because uh, it's La Casa de Papel, which is House of Paper. That's a much better title. Um, it's amazing. Just please watch it. Uh, yeah, I, I can't even say anything. It's just, it's great. It's just watch it. <laughs> and we're all watching How to Train Your Dragon for later on. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. What, what mm -hmm. am I going to say? Follow me on Instagram. It's underscore Uchi199. And do I have a recommendation? Uh, fuck it, my recommendation is the K-drama Goblin. I think that's a great show. Yeah. Yeah. And my recommendation is that you learn to do something in this quarantine because everybody's consuming yes. media but not actually doing anything with themselves. Hey, I have spent the last edits. couple weeks learning... Uh, Learning some uh, three art, we'll call it. No, I've been no, working on that. That's cheating. That's cheating. You started oh, to do that like six, eight months ago. <laughs> I am actually like I've gone deep into it in these. But last he's months. polishing it. Yeah. Wait, yeah. So make, like, a I, make a handsome squidward. Make a handsome squidward. No, I'm not talking sculpting anymore. I'm in, talking like actual simulation and whatnot. Oh, are you serious? In yeah, in the yeah. last two weeks, I, I have taken. I have taken uh, some free courses that I've, well, because I pay for YouTube Premium, um, on just film editing and, like, just shots and how to, you know, the whole triangle effect and all that, how movies yeah. are shot. And it's been great. And, like, even now, I'm operating a camera like I've never done before. Like, I'm, everything's all manual now. I took all the automatic stuff and chucked it in the garbage. <laughs> good to have so good. now, yeah, so now I adjust aperture, I adjust grain size, all of that I do manually right now for my Man's shots. I'm going to be doing color grading shortly. Yeah, and it's just, it's amazing. It's great. I it's just fun. Say, I would like... Oh. Okay, I want to say I this. Would, <laughs> I, I would like to say 
one <laughs> other thing. Yes. Um, yeah, if you have the opportunity to learn something, do it. But I think the most important thing right now is not to get into that mindset of if you're not being productive during this quarantine, you're being a waste. Yeah. Um, I like because right now this is a big thing for everyone. It's taking a toll on a lot of people's mental health. And if mm-hmm. you need to have a day, if you're not working, and if you need to have a day where you just lay on the couch and cry into your coffee cup, then do just do it. Like the reason just, I just like honestly take care of yourself, people. I know yeah. I've been like I taught myself to crochet and I've been working on my book, but I'm also mm. still working, so I'm right. in the minority, right? So just like like I think the biggest message is just take care of yourself out there, people. Mm. I, <laughs> I see where Michael's coming. Mine. Not come not yeah. falling into yeah. that sort of not doing anything productive is actually dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. but maybe it's just me, but when I'm actually like working on something and pursuing something, even if it's not comfortable, the sense of purpose it brings is, uh, is uh, actually helps with mental health. Yeah. That's, that's what I meant. Uh, like, and that's you know, where I'm going with that. I'm, yeah. See, so that's how I am. Like I am one I'll of those just... people who use work to escape from issues and thinking about things. So mm-hmm. like for me, this has been really hard. Cause like I act like, even though I am being very productive, I find if I like I run out of a project, I'm not sure quite if I want to start another project. Um, I feel like I'm being useless. And it's not like that I'm being useless. It's just my brain needs a break kind of thing. Well, yeah. so. And like that's where uh, I was just going <laughs> to I was just going to add into what Michael was saying, which is where I agreed with them was because um, most of the time, whenever people go through, um, you know, I know from the time when I was going through like a little mild, I would call it mild depression because it's not as serious as most other people would have theirs. You don't compare whatever. But um, I found that whenever, you know, I gave myself a, not really a sense of purpose, but when something to just get my mind off of me constantly thinking about my anxiety or myself, mm-hmm. Um, Uchi will tell you this, it got to a point where whenever there's just more than maybe six to seven people in the room, I will just shut down. I'm getting mm-hmm. the fuck out of there. Um, so <laughs> I just couldn't handle it. I would, my breathing would get heavy. I wouldn't just be able to do it. Um, and you know, I just found that just coming back home during those times and just writing, uh, my book, shameless plug, psychedelic stories now out. Um, but <laughs> working on that, um, uh, during those times helped me come out of it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, coming out of that, I was able to talk to people more frequently or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the release, that's when I met my current girlfriend, actually. So it's like just doing, keeping yourself busy or like keeping yourself that sense of purpose uh, more or less mentally as well just opens doors for you into newer things. If and just, you, can... you know, taking that leap of faith, if you can handle it, right? If, if you can do one day. tiny thing every day, even if it's getting up and like straightening Shy your hair, like that. Yes. then yeah. <laughs> you're you're doing all right through this quarantine yeah. thing. Exactly. Shower and put on pants. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm gonna yeah, exactly. put on pants. As my personal opinion, at the end of this quarantine, you don't have to have a side hustle. You don't have to have started business. No. You don't have to. Have no. If you didn't learn anything during this quarantine, it's okay. What's mm-hmm. happening right now is unprecedented. It's yeah. alright if you're stressed. It's alright if you're worried, right? Don't yeah. don't think mm-hmm. that you're a bad person. Your feelings are all valid. Think about yeah. it this way. You can learn all the things you want to learn in the world, but when you die, you're not going to remember any of it. So You can learn everything like in the world, <laughs> but you don't have to learn it all in two weeks. 
I'll just agree. remember, yeah. Yeah. your feelings are valid. We're all dealing with this the best we can. Wash your hands. Sam says your feelings are valid. I I don't know if I'll say that. Some feelings are not valid. Yeah. <laughs> Sam, fuck your feelings. Yeah. I don't think all feelings are valid. Stop crying about your feelings, guys. <laughs> yes, Sam, we don't care about your feelings. <laughs> anyway, I feel like we should on that note, let's wrap up. Let's try to wrap this up. We're all okay. trying to do the best we can. Remember, wash your hands, stay don't safe, touch your balls. and be a decent human being. Yeah, Don't touch your balls. Don't be a shit person. Mm-hmm. And until next week, when we're doing what? Joe, Joe, rabbit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I hit left. I never said that. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.